Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? G'day and welcome to episode four of the Howie Games with one of the coolest cats in world sport, a two-time T20 World Cup winning captain from the West Indies, the great man Darren Sammy. Hang on, Daddy Pickle here. And Penguin too. Guys, we want to tell all you loyal listeners about the great news the Howie Games had this week. We went number one, Pickle number one. We did, Pengy. Last week, the Howie Games became the number one podcast in all Australia. Epic dudes. Steady on, Pickle. It was only for a day. Come on, Pengy. You sound like Daddy. Well, Pickle, we have slid down the charts a bit. Dad's spewing. If you guys subscribe to the Howie Games... And get your crew to as well. Well, maybe Daddy... And does Pickle. Yes, Penguin. Us too. Well, maybe we can all go back to number one, baby. Wouldn't that be sick, dudes? Subscribe, please, because me and the big penguin could become famous. Thank you, Pickle. Thank you, Penguin. All right, episode four of the Howie Games was recorded in the beautiful Caribbean island nation of St. Kitts. It is a ripper, ripper place. I was very lucky to be there doing some cricket commentary, and Daz was there captaining the St. Lucia Zooks in the Caribbean Premier League. As he details in episode four of the Howie Games, Daz grew up in a family that was chockers full of love, but very, very short on money. He went from that to one day winning in prize money a million US dollars in one game of T. 20 cricket. Basically, he won a million bucks in just over three hours. But what type of fella is Darren Sammy? Well, the day after this episode of the Howie Games was recorded, Daz was sacked as not only captain, but also player from the West Indies T20 side. This was a side that just months earlier, he led to a second T20 World Cup title. Go figure. Now, I saw Daz the next morning at breakfast and he came up to me and he smiled and shook his head and he said, Howie, life is not about looking backwards. Life is all about looking forwards. And that is exactly the type of fella Darren Sammy is. A man with a smile like sunshine. Ep4, Darren Sammy. Oh, my Jaja, tell me why won't they open up their eyes? They could help out if they try, try, try. If they would try, try, try They've got to try, try, try Darren, Sammy, the champion What's up, Howie? This has been weeks in organising. I'm just stoked you've agreed to sit down, mate. I appreciate your time. No, pro- no problem, my man, no problem. We are here in St Kitts, my first time in the Caribbean for the last four weeks. I don't know how you leave to go and play cricket because <laughs> have a look at this place. Howie, it's amazing, but um, I didn't think you saw St Lucia. No, I haven't been there. Well, that's the place to be. Well, this is what everyone tells me. It wasn't yes. in my schedule. I'm shattered yeah. about well, it. Next, next year you make you make sure you're in St. Lucia. Done. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about St. Lucia and you growing up right. in St. Lucia. Yes. Tell uh, us about it. Uh, you know, St. Lucia is just simply beautiful. Um, growing up in St. Lucia, you know, just growing up in the Caribbean, you know, um, it's just laid back. Everybody seems so relaxed, mm. you know. So sometimes. You know, financially, we're not always the best, but just the love and the ambience of the place takes all of that away and makes you just enjoy life. So for me, uh, 
family was important. And growing, I, I was fortunate to have, you know, be, to have been raised by both parents, my mom and my dad, you know, and uh, not much, but the closeness, you know, the, the fun that we had growing up, you know. If you don't have food to eat, there's a mango tree down the road in the neighbor's <laughs> yard, you know, <laughs> or guavas or plums, you know, fruits, bananas. You know, it was just that type of um, environment you grew up in. And, you know, my mom being the last of 15 kids, I could always go up by the road. She was one of 15 kids. Last of 15. Oh, so you had uncles and aunties Yes, everywhere. so I could have gone over there by my aunt, you know, and uh, I tell people um, I didn't have much growing up, but, uh, you know, the love from family members, the, you know, substituted for that. And that's why I am who I am today. I had so many people who could instruct me and teach me and discipline me the right way to become who I am today. Are you from a big family, your own family? Um, no, my mom, um, my parents have uh, three kids, right. uh, three boys. Okay. And uh, I'm the first. And my mom had me when she was 15, 16, so right. she's quite young, you know, but... Uh, you would have been a big baby too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I was. But, um, you know, it was, for me, I tell people, I was fortunate. My mom was still a kid raising me, so I had that like um, brother, sister, right. and also I had my grandparents, you know, showing me the experience, yeah. giving me the experience of life. So I, you know, they say every disappointment is a blessing. You know, she she had probably three kids before she was 23. And uh, that's, the pa- that's the product and that's the package that came out, Darren. Um, so what made you such a positive, like... Uh, you know, we didn't each know each other that well, but I see you at the, the hurricanes the first time I came across you, and everyone always, this guy is just smiling. He just, <laughs> he might not have made runs or got wickets, yeah. but he's smiling. I give credit to 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 my to my folks for the way they raised me. I was raised in a Christian home, and like I said before, just the love, you know, and the discipline and the the understanding of you know your present situation is not your final destination. Right. You know, and I just, cricket was the way out for me. It really was, you know, and for, you'd hear the same story in most of, from most of the guys who've, who've done sports. You'd heard from Usain Bolt, yeah. you'd heard from Chris Gale, you'd heard from Bravo. None of the guys in the Caribbean grew up much, so, with, with much. So, sports for Jamaica is athletics, for the rest of the Caribbean is, is, is cricket, you know, and... Um, when I grew up, West Indies dominated, you know, and... Who were your heroes? Ambrose Lara. Was it? Honestly, when... I only wanted to watch... If West Indies is batting, I want the two openers to get out. Lara comes in at three, watch him bat. <laughs> if he gets out, I want the team to get out. I didn't want to watch Jimmy Adams bat or Shanda Paul. I know, but I just want to watch Lara. And if Lara's out, I want the team to get ball out so I could watch Ambrose and watch ball. And uh, I used to... To say things like, if I make West Indies when I'm 17, I could be playing with Ambrose. It would be like 42, 44. <laughs> yeah, serious. So you'd be 17 and he'd be 43. Yeah, yeah, yes. And I'm like, if I make if I make it by 19, I could definitely be playing with Lara. So um, there's this guy from Grenada. He became the first Grenadian to play Junior Murray for, for West Indies. Oh, Junior Murray. Yes. And um, we saw what the government did, all the accolades he got and... The group of, of us, myself, Gary Maffrey, you know, Sergio Fede, all of us were 
on the 15 on the 15 cricketers and we're like imagine the first one from St. Lucia he'll be set for life yeah so once that became my first first motivation and just this the, the way my parents were growing up um, my father looked after a plantation for for some somebody my mom never really had a job and I was like no I don't want to be that I never saw myself as an at an office you know and cricket was just my first love. I don't see you at an office. When you say, um, you know, there wasn't always a great deal of money, I know what that means in Australia. Mm. What does that mean day to day for you in St Lucia as a young fella? Uh, you just, if you're not focused, and that's why I give a lot of credit to my parents, if you're not focused and if you don't understand at an early age that uh, this is the situation, your mom cannot do like the other rich kids right you know you go to school you wonder why you don't have the fancy lunch why you don't have the best shoes you know why you don't have three four uniforms one one for every day yep. you know you got to go back home wash it make sure it's dry for tomorrow put it behind the fridge <laughs> to dry it <laughs> to dry <laughs> so um you have to understand that at a very early age and because if you don't, you, you, you will want to be like your friends. You will want to have the best stuff. Mm. Then that will lead to you probably stealing, doing other f- wrong things you're not supposed to be doing, you know. And raised in a Christian home and a good discipline, my mom always ensured that she made us understand that, you know, be content but with what you have. But that doesn't mean that you cannot aim to be better because you could always be better in life but don't be greedy don't be, be be content so yes I didn't have the best shoes but you know every day we found something to eat there was something on the table whether it be the dry bread with water or you flour and milk mm. we found something to eat we survived 15 15 kids you know, few, you know, aunts and uncles, you will get food. They have bananas everywhere. They have mangoes, fruits. You will survive. Plus, you're in the community and there's cricket being played, football, something to do as kids. So you don't really worry. But she, she instilled that understanding in me from a very early age that Darren, she was big on education though. But once I went to secondary school and started playing cricket, that's all I saw, and I saw cricket at my way out, and then I gave it all. I devoted all my time to cricket to make sure that, you know, the way out would be the ultimate, which is West Indies. So, so what level of school do you go through to? So I, I finish at uh, secondary school. Right. You know, I finish my CXEs. And, uh, so that, what, what age is that? That's us. Because I went to school at four years. I went right. early yep. because I was born in December. Uh, so I finished 2000, so I would be 16, turning 16. 17. And I've not set myself in a classroom since then. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably sitting at a desk now. Yes. This is probably as you close yeah, to no, it. And honestly, and I tell people cricket has, been, cricket has been my life. And God has blessed me tremendously because, you know, I, I sit down now and I look back and I, and I see where I was to where I am now. You know, people would want me. I see people with all the education, mm. big bank managers from across the Caribbean, and here is Darren sitting in a in a in a room, and they <laughs> want to hear 
about leadership and they want me to talk to them about leadership and all this thing and I said wow I didn't go to school for this but here I am you know so cricket has you know cricket has been the way out and you know I thank God every day you know for you know letting me play the sport because that's my mom did not want me to play that sport Howie she didn't she didn't what she want you to? What, what was her vision for for her son we, Darren? We were raised in. I grew up in an Adventist right um, background. You know that's that's my religion. So normally you 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 don't you worship on the on Friday sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. You know most times cricket be played on a weekend. It's hard to get through twenty overs when you're meant to be at church. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my mom being the advert, you know, a strong uh, Christian, uh, and my dad, you know. It's, she couldn't see she going to church and I'm going to to play cricket. Yeah. That is breaking the rules, you know. And my coaches, my school principal, you know, um, went to the same church and she was very strict. I got called for St. Lucia on the 15th and I didn't go to trials, but I was in the final 15 because I did so well in the school's competition. But I did not go. So you're not playing cricket. How'd that make you feel? I was I was becoming rebellious oh, yeah. to the point that when you used to have trials, uh, my mate Casper Prosper, we used to I used to live on the east coast, so normally we play in the city, which is Castries. I would take a bus. Um, I would speak to my grand grandmother. She would give me I remember clearly ten dollars. So that's four dollars to four four bucks to head to the city, four bucks to come back, and I have two dollars um, to buy. A quarter was uh, for a loaf, so Gasper and myself would buy four loaves and would buy a soft drink. <laughs> a chubby, it was called. <laughs> what a chubby. Yes, a chubby, and we would sleep in the um, city. Had this um, sports complex where you know the uh, tricon t- uh, karate people, the crash mats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would sleep there. The security guard would let us sleep on the crash mats, and you know, people don't tend to see that. People always see the end product, but the work and the hard work. And, and my mom would say. Where have you been? I go back home Sunday and I get, I get a beating. <laughs> but come next weekend, I'm prepared to do it again because I was just, I just wanted to play cricket. This was my avenue. This was my opportunity to. That is where I felt most alive. And like I tell you, West Indies was dominated. I wanted to be the first solution, and I instilled that in my mind very early. Till 2004, it all came came to life, and I have not turned back since. Tell us about that. The first man from your country to play cricket for the West Indies. That's a, like, look at your smile. <laughs> it gives me goosebumps. Uh, How did it come to pass? Well, and which was your first match? For the, or do, you, do you get a phone call? What, yes, what I got, I, got I, was in, I was at the MCC Young Cricketers at Lodz yep. um, on my second year. And uh, I think it was in, in June or probably early May, late May, June. And a guy called Zoral Bradley, he was the chief operations officer, I think, um, for the West Indies Cricket Board, and he called me. I remember New Zealand or South Africa was playing England during that test match. So normally the MCC young cricketers have to help on the ground staff yeah. covers. At, he, L- at Lord's? Yeah, at Lord's. So I got the call. I saw a 1268 number. I said, wow, that is Antigua. Then I heard, hey, Darren Sammy, um, this is Zural Bradley. I said, Zural, West Indies Cricket Board. He says, yes. He says, I'm calling 
once I heard the, I'm calling to say to tell you that you've been selected for the way. How we I run around Lords like a crazy person. Imagine a black man at Lords running around like a crazy person, just hugging people. I went, I remember Clive Ridley was in the coach, was the coach. I run, run through the nursery ground, straight in his office, jumped on him, poor old man, probably nearly break his back. <laughs> You know, and he's like, Sammy, Sammy, what's happened? It's like, rats, rats, I made it, made what? I made the West in this team. It was, it was crazy, Howie. I, it can, was see, I crazy. can see almost it the, was, the it tears was, in your eyes now it talking about it. was crazy. That day I never forgot. My teammates, I just felt totally different. I just felt something, a cloud just came over me, a cloud of just confidence and everything just came over me and I was just a different person. You know, and uh, my debut got washed out at the Rose Bowl um, against New Zealand. But because the toss was already taken, we went on the field, a mother ball being bowled. So I played one game, but I never even took part. <laughs> but when you did take part, a test match against England? No, that was my ODI debut. Oh, you won day So the following day during the Champions Trophy, later in September, I got, I played my first match at the same venue against Bangladesh, which went well. We ended up winning the ICC Champions Trophy that year. Um, but I did never considered me for Test cricket. But then after 2007 World Cup, you know, my idol Lara retired and stuff. And then I was called into the Test team after good regional performances. Okay. And my first Test match in England. Seven. Of Manchester. Seven wickets, Dad. Seven wickets in for innings. 66 Come runs. on. Why didn't they pick this guy up? <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? I'm telling you, I... Whew, seven for 66. That's my number plate, are we? Is it? Yes. What, what type of car? Uh, well, you know I'm quite a simple man. Yeah. Uh, 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 I drive a, a custom-made Toyota Hilux. Right, and the number plate is seven? Seven for 66. That's, I love that's it. That's it. That's it. PG seven six six. That's the figures. I would never forget that day. Was it one of those days where everything just went right for you? Actually, um, I remember the first inning. I bowled myself and Colin. We bowled a good spell. We bowled probably twenty five overs between us, and I took one. I got Alistair Cook out. My first test wicket. One for twenty odd, thirty odd of. 20 something overs, right. bowled really tight, which is my job to be economical and, and ease of pressure of Jerome Till and Darren Powell and, and Fidel Edwards. That's what uh, Gordon Greenwich told me at the, when I got selected. To Gordon be the, Greenwich? Yes. That's what he said. Your role is to be like Curry Column or to yep. be the workhorse. Yeah. And I understood that. So, and I took one weekend and then I scored one run. I was like, Okay, Darren, at least you played test cricket. Because, you know, some, a particular commentator said he went to bed with a nightmare when he heard I was going to be playing test cricket. He says, no way, Darren, should be playing test cricket. Do you know who that commentator is? I know, a man I respect a lot. Okay. Yeah, and uh, he said that. And then the Saturday, why it had to be a Saturday? You're meant to be at church with your mum. <laughs> yes. Not, a, not yes, in England. Yes, the Saturday afternoon, England. I remember England were ahead, um, and Darren Ganga, who was my captain, 
back then because um, I guess Sawan got injured. He was the captain, okay. got injured. And Darren says to me, hey, hey these men scoring quick runs. I just want you to do the same thing you did against us in Trinidad, in Tobago. Just pull one side of the wicket. Just tie up one end for me. And I had a marathon spell. I think it was 12 consecutive overs. Right. Later, it's seven for 66. You know, and everything kept flowing. And that same commentator had to interview me after the match. And I was like, yes, that felt good. And I've not turned back from, I've not turned back since. Uh, the career has been, you know, it has had its up and downs, but uh, it's one I've really, really enjoyed. I love, my passion is just, you know, knowing that, you know, um, a fan is watching me and I could put a smile on the face or inspire them. What, what does it mean to the people, and we'll get to Test Cricket, and you went on to, to yeah. captain the West Indies in Test Cricket as well. We'll get to the, the T20 World Cups. But what does it mean to the people of St Lucia? Because my first time here, I'm beginning to understand, at home we think of the West Indies as wrongly as one big country. Yeah. And you come here and you realise there's individual mm. proud countries with yes. separate cultures and separate yes. views. So what did it mean to the people of St Lucia that not only did their man be the first to play to get seven wickets and then become the test captain of the combined countries? What, what does that mean? It meant a lot. You know, are we, I t- I'm so loved in St Lucia. You loved, every, I feel, you loved I feel, everywhere. I feel loved everywhere, but, yeah. you know, at home it's just... It's something different because for years they were supporting West Indies because we were all West Indians. But then to have your own, to break that barrier and, you know, not only break that barrier, but look like he belongs up there, mm. you know, and, and perform and, you know, to eventually end up leading, you know, that is, that is something I didn't even dream of. So for them, it gives them, it gives them hope. You know, when I walk around in schools and, you know, the kids, the young, the young children, you know, they come up to me and, you know, when they have Heroes Day and everybody writes about Darren Sammy, people call and find out whether via Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, my child is doing a, a project and you is hero, you her hero, you know, and I walk down the streets and everybody, you cannot walk in peace. The St. Lucian, they have always, it, it meant a lot to them. It's still, you know, we play cricket at home and it's different atmosphere. You know, and I step out to bat and it's crazy, you know, and... Uh, and for, for you to go back there now in the Caribbean Premier League and for the first time play at the Darren <laughs> Sammy Stadium where... Oh. But you're a superman. You just oh. get wickets and you make <laughs> runs. But to you to walk out on yeah. that ground as a, as a young man that had mm-hmm. all those people in your family and you weren't meant to be playing cricket yeah. and you're having loaves of bread and yeah. soft drink to get going and mango yes. off a tree and then the National yes. Stadium is named after it's, you? It's how I'm telling you. I I am like that because I feel what everything now I have or, or do is like a bonus. I have, I'm living way past my dreams. You know, as a kid, you know, all you do is when you're growing up, you had, okay, cricket, West Indies is the most, is the highest level. I've done that and I'm playing, I'm being consistently in the team and then you captain and then you'd have a stadium name after you that you're still playing in. That's unheard of. It is. I, I, that is unheard of, maybe 20 years after you retire. Yeah, it is unheard. That shows the love 
I'm talking about from from St. Lucia, and they've set a trend now that they celebrate their their heroes whilst they are alive. You know, and uh, which is fantastic. It is because I think of all the look at Sagari. Sagari doesn't have a stadium in his name. You know, and what he's done for West Indies cricket, for Barbados, for mm-hmm. the world. You know. It's. I cannot even tie his shoelace in terms of his records, you know. And for me, in St. Lucia, to have a stadium name after me is, is just. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm living way past my dreams, Harry. I, I, I told Damien Wright, the coach of the Hurricanes and Tim Payne, uh, I texted him the other day and said, listen, if you just want Daz to perform, just change Bell Reeve, call it the Darren Sammy Stadium, and you'll have Bradman with the bat and uh, Wazim Akram with the ball. And Roger Harper in the field. <laughs> it's uh, no ma. Look, I, I try to give my best to every team I play for, mm. whether it be my club team at home, or my international team, or any franchise team. One thing they will not say is that uh, Darren did not try or did not give off his best. Sometimes it doesn't come out in the performances. But if it doesn't come off in the performances on the off-field, I make up for it with the fans. Because to me, the fans are the most important people. Mm. You know, you go out and you entertain. They come, they pay their tickets, they pay their money. Game in, game out, come and support, make noise. Some lose their voices, you know. And for me, after, and they wait and all they want probably is just a handshake. So for me, it has always been my duty to provide that, no matter how busy I am. I can't do everybody, but I try to facilitate most. And I, I said to Damien in, in, in Hobart that I will not leave one child unhappy once they stayed back. So I'm always the last of the field. I've seen it. You know, um, and it's better like that, I think. Sometimes I'm tired and I really want to go, but then you see a little kid, you know, they have a shot of me in, in, I see BBL use it all the time. You know, they take the selfies and it's it's not good. The angle is not right. So I just take it and just take it. And now everybody wants me to do it. Once they have a full, hey, I need a selfie. You know, it's, plus you, 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 you create that fan base and it's not putting on for sure it's just naturally who I am yeah. you know and uh, and there's not many six foot six West Indians getting around Hobart <laughs> there, right? to be completely honest is there yes, yes, as, a, as a little man yes. from Hobart if you're five you're looking yes. up at this West Indian god and yes. think, I, yeah. I remember as a mm. very young man the, uh, my, my grandparents were down in Tasmania yeah. and we'd go on a holiday down there and we went to the Kmart and the West Indians in probably 84, so I'm maybe oh. five or six. They came to the local Kmart and it was Viv and Michael Holding. Holding and, and Ghana. And we've never seen guys. anything like these guys, yeah. you know? Yeah, and you see, you, you can't forget the, the, the legacy. And Even when I was captain, <laughs> you know, you to know where you're going, I think you must know where, where you come from. You must understand what you do. That's why now it is just so painful you know, to see the state our cricket is in and the direction it's it's heading. When you think of Sir Gary and Sir Frank Werrell, you know, the probably the first black captain, 
you know, of the West Indies team and what he did with his men in Australia that when he left Melbourne or Sydney, so many people came out to watch and wave them goodbye. Mm. You know, as a as a cricketer, you must understand your history and what you represent, you know, and that's why I always try to play with in the right spirit, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work out. We've been, our cricket has been in the decline for, from, I remember very clearly, I think 1995 when we lost the Frank Royal Trophy, it was. To the Aussies. To the Aussies. Stay warm we've up. never, we've never recovered from that. My dad couldn't work for a week. That's how I knew, that's why I knew West Indies cricket meant something. After they lost the 95 series. Yes. Couldn't work for a week. My dad couldn't work. He's, 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 he's at work and he's, he can't do his job because the whole Caribbean was just like somebody died. Like it was like Bob Marley dying mm. when we, we lost that trophy. And it was, it, it's when West Indies lose. Nowadays, it's not as bad as it was back then. But that, I remember that series clearly because my dad was, he was down, man. For entire week, we can't believe we lost that trophy, and then we never, rec- we've never recovered from no. that. We've shown glimpses, we've had our moments of brilliance, and now there's obviously the T20 format, which I think is our best format, and the result shows. You know, so it is grabbing that product, that product, trying to market it the best way we can. And we always cry about finance, but use what we best out to try and get the finance f- to help develop more tests on one day on one day cricketers. Just a teeny weeny break from Darren Sammy, but don't worry, plenty of Darren still to come. I just wanted to give you a quick preview of next Thursday's episode of the Howie Games. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. It is with a man who I consider to be Australia's premier sports broadcaster. He's getting set to call his final AFL grand final. He is, well, he's a legend, Dennis Cometti. You're just blessed to have that beautiful voice. Uh, well, I don't know that it is. I don't think anyone's really happy with their own voice, are they? Uh, well, I, I hate listening back. Do you hate listening back, or do you? Does it? Is it passable, or is it? Uh, yeah, it's passable. I, you know, like I, 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 it's, it's the only voice I've had. So you know, like, and I've, I've, I've had to listen to it for a long time because I've done things that required the voice. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, you know, there are voices I sort of envy, like Sean Connery or someone like that. That's a voice, you know. Or, I'm not sure it's any good for the footy, though, mate. <laughs> well, it would be. Can I imagine, imagine Sean Connery. Oh, come on. Imagine Sean Connery doing it uh, what, with Lou Richards. With a bit of ablet with Sean Connery. Well. Oh, that'd be something. You've got to love Dennis Comedy. Centimetre perfect. Like a cork in the ocean. Barley to Bateman, the hooks are attacking alphabetically. All right, now time more for more of the big man, Darren Sammy. You talk about finance and as a cricket fan, I grew up watching the West Indies and they were the best, you know. We might win a test in Sydney when it spun, but they won the first three, so it didn't matter. So I've asked a lot of people here what has happened. So from a player's perspective, Daz, we saw a lot of talk about strikes and and money and and what happened in India when the boys pulled out. Mm. From a playing perspective... And I know this is a this is a one hour discussion <laughs> yeah, on its own, and yeah. I don't want to slow you down yes. with that. But from a player's perspective, what's been the problem with? There doesn't seem to be a great deal of synergy between the players and the yeah, board. It's it's for for things to work well. You know, 
the play administration and the players have it must be they must have effective communication in order for the working environment to be good mm -hmm. you know and cricket has evolved financially it has evolved but all the you see australia have a working module took a while um, new zealand england but we don't seem to to get it right because we have too many guys with too many egos and and not much a lot of noise but nothing is happening the guys with the egos are these players or board Bo members on both sides okay. on both sides on both sides right you know because but I always say at the end of the day if you have a company your product is now the most valuable mm -hmm. asset and in this company the cricket is the most valuable asset so the cricketers have to be important it has to in order for it to work it has to and in the world now, you cannot hide the fact that T20 is on a different level. You look at test cricket and probably the Ashes and probably when India is playing, yeah. that's it. The other countries are suffering. Do you think West Indies will be playing test cricket in 20 years? I am very scared, Harry. I am very scared. If something is not done, to help develop first-class cricketers, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's I've not seen the signs of of growth, you know, and um, it scares me because to me, Test cricket is really the the test. Mm. You know, T20 brings a different element to An it. Entertainment package. Yes, but Test cricket. When you're battling out, you know, three sessions, when you have to bat a day to save a test match, this is really the test, you know. And we grew up, that's what, that's what was, it's test or one day. That's what we knew. But right now, I look at our test squad and, mind you, I was playing and it, I wouldn't say it was any better. Mm. But what are we doing? Where will we get the next... Lara or the next Fever or the next Ambrose. Well, he's probably playing for the Hyderabad Sunrisers or the Kolkata Knight Riders. Yeah. Or like. how do you how do you want them to to be there? The relationship has been broken for so long. So, so the to give people an indication, Daz, and I, I see that you don't have a choice because I can see what you guys will get paid in the IPL, etc. Without going too far into the somewhat grubby topic of money, can you give us an indication of what you would be being paid now to play a test match for the West Indies? Okay. Harry, when I made my test debut, yep. till I retired, um, off my head, when you put sponsorship and match fees, yep. Put test match a, a West Indian player was getting, I think, close to eighteen thousand dollars. Eighteen thousand. Yes. A now it's five thousand five hundred. Five thousand five hundred for a test match. Yes. All situation in India. Wow. You can't you can't get cut by seventy percent. That is seventy percent. And what? And this is public record. What? What? Uh, at your best, what was your IPL type? Numbers. Um, uh, at my best, uh, 450,000, 430,000. For seven weeks. Well, there's not, 
there's no decision. There, there could be a decision because some of the guys we speak, speak and talk. Look, Australia could tell Mitchell Stark, you know what? You can't play IPL this year, and he has to understand. Because mm. you look at his retainer, it's probably 800000 close to a million dollars. We understand we're not Australia, but there are other means. Of course there are. You, firstly, the director of cricket came out and says, it's going to be a West Indies first policy. You cut down the match fees. You take away the sponsorship fees. You give retainers. You cut down everything, but yet still you tell people it's West Indies first policy or you can't play. They must have a common ground. Yeah. Because you can't compete with Australia and you trying to tell people they can't earn a living. That is not right. We are not back in the 90s where they didn't have another option. There is more. There are more options now. So how they could, I believe they could raise the retainer, give a proper package in the retainer contract. Some and tell, security. Yes, some security. So you know, if you don't go and play certain leagues, you will be okay. Your family will have a monthly stipend. Because mm. when you do that, if you, you cut it by 70, suppose a guy has a mortgage where he was banking on this year, this is what he's going to do if he's selected. And you've cut it down to like that. It's, it's not going to work. Well, if they said to me that it worked, then you would leave work. Exactly. So I believe you could give a proper retainer mm. and say, okay, we give you, you get to play two twenty T20 leagues, whether it be Big Bash and, and um, IPL, yeah. IPL and some other thing, and you have your Caribbean Premier League. I could guarantee you, because we as players, we talk about it within ourselves. Give the guys a proper retainer. You've had Samuel Badri, who has been the number one bowler. He's never gotten a retainer contract. Number one bowler in T20. He says, T20, no, we're not giving retainers for T20 specialists. If you notice, most of the guys who get retainers are test cricketers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... As I said, this this is something. This is gonna is a, yeah. a whole week discussion. Yeah, but you know, you've explained it well. Did you play in the Allen Stanford matches? Yes, I did. So for those that aren't aware, this was a Texas a fella who came in and promised a lot. He's currently in jail yeah. now. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how many years. Yeah. But but yeah. you you played in a game of cricket against England. Yes, where if you won, the winning team would get twenty million. That is the correct. losing team didn't get a cent. Yes, you guys won that game. We won that game. What was it like going out on the field <laughs> for a T20 game oh. knowing there was $20 million on the line? Because that, that's not a game of cricket. That's you're playing for the result, which is yeah. a life changer. What Howie, year was this? That was 2008. <laughs> Howie, when this idea, when we, the board was coming around, this guy was coming. Before we knew all what has transpired, you know, and he really brought back some really interest in the, in West Indies cricket. Yeah. I'll give him I'll give him that. He also, you know, opened doors for all that big money thing leagues. Yeah. Because his vision was to have a Champions League where his team travel around and play teams in Australia, champion teams in Australia. So he brought about that idea. His vision was good, but now I knew now I know what that cause and where all the money was coming from. It's sad. 
But but you didn't know that at the time. I did not know that. We didn't know that at the time. How we have never seen men train so hard. <laughs> How imagine you six weeks of training for one game. I've never seen men so hungry, but they're eating food every day. Hungry cricketers. Six weeks proper training, proper diet, everything. I'm still fit from that camp. <laughs> that was in 2008. <laughs> Seven years yes, ago. Yes, I'm still fit. I'm, I promise you. And I just knew. You know, like when you knew, when you just know something is meant to happen, there is no way you give... You heard my story, mm. and I promise you, most of these guys, their story are the same. There's no way you put a million dollars on the table for each player in a 11, West Indians, and they're losing. They trained so hard for that. We destroyed England, and we were already looking for the following year. And that changed my life. How? I was... Financially did. I was able to do so much more. It's only a million dollars, but at that time I did so much more. Built my mom a, a, a house. You built yeah. your mom a house? Yes. Uh, my old, did it, built my mom a house. Helped the church, you know. What did you uh, think when they go? Did, did it go into your bank account? Is it yes. check? It goes into your yes, bank account. It went to my so bank account. So one day you've got. So one day I got probably six zeros. And another day I got so many zeros. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to my mom, I remember calling my mom and I said to my mom, Mommy, from this day forward, I Darren Sammy, no, I Darren Gabby Julia Sammy, your son, will always be a millionaire. And I promise you that. Wow. That's what I said to my mother. And I'm sorry to all the people who've been affected mm. through that, but that changed my life, Awi. It did. You know, and uh, I'm all forever thankful. The, the cricket has been just so good to me, man. The guys used it for different reasons. Someone yes. was explaining to me yesterday, Chris had some sick people in his family, Chris yes, Gale. Yes, yes, He helped out. Yes, the guys, some some guys reinvested and lost their yeah. money. You know, um, I know Bongsin built, uh, Sylvester Joseph helped build a church in Antigua. Fletcher helped as well, you know, because... How are you raised in the Caribbean? Your mom takes you to church on Saturday or Sunday. you raised in a Christian background. So you have the doctrines, you have the, the, the stuff instilled in you, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was life-changing. Was it a party and a half? <laughs> or was it just stunned? Were you, were I you was, because you see, if it was like, you know, we all go to different places afterwards. So it was not, the night was, we were still like, Wow. Uh, did we just win a million bucks? Did we just win a million bucks? Are we like mini millionaires? You know? A short break from the cool cat, da Darren Sammy. Because we want to make sure you haven't missed any previous episodes. That's why you need to subscribe. You don't want to miss my man G Gilly. That's Adam Gilchrist. Or the mean machine, Danny Green. Or last week, the big fat illusion, Brendan Fred Bowler.
A mate had a, a, a party that started at 12 o'clock down Helen Way. and uh, McChicken. And I actually had two cans of Jim Beam <laughs> at 12 o'clock and about 1 o'clock and then left to go to the game of footy because it was an answer cup yeah. game. It was relevant. Yeah. And uh, I got pretty hungry, so I went to the um, McDonald's just down here, actually. Clarendon Street. Clarendon Street McDonald's and got two McChickens and then headed to the MCG, kicked 12 and thought, geez, this is going to work for the next <laughs> two years. This is what I need, a couple this of cans of Jim Beam. And a, <laughs> a couple of McChickens and it didn't quite work out the way <laughs> the Millennium Game did. Don't forget to hit our daddy up on Twitter or Facebook at MarkHoward03. Tell him what you like and tell him what you don't like. And tell him that you want more of me and the big penguin. All right, stop banging on, Pickle. Time to go back to my man, Big Darren Sammy. I want to talk to you about the World Cup and especially the most recent World Cup, but the thing I notice about you, Daz, and I've noticed over the last month watching the Zooks play here in the Caribbean Premier League that in in Australia we have Australian rules football and there's certain guys that are seen as captains that their team will do anything for, that they will play for that captain. This is rightly or wrongly how I see your players with you. And you know, I'm talking superstars, Watson and Hussey and... People seem to love playing for you. So, so what? What ideas have you got on leadership? Uh, um, you, you must see that that the guys, as as shown by the West Indies national team, when you won those T Twenty titles. I think you must. I try to tell players, don't 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 play for me, though. But they do. They do though. Well, I think they they. They take pride in their performance. If mm-hmm. you take pride in your performance, whoever the captain is, you would want to do the job. You want to do well. You want, if you're an all-rounder, you want to execute your skills. I believe if you create an, an, an environment where you could breed success and people could be relaxed and people would, it's not remorseful if they're not playing, you know, and people understand the direction you want the team to go, you know, um, and you work hard. For us in the Zooks culture, it's simple. We work hard, we play hard, we have fun. We have fun. You know, it's T20, I'm not like a, 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 a taskmaster where, no, 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 that's not how I operate. I try to understand. Firstly, I try to understand you as a human being so I know what I have to say to you mm. to get you in the frame of mind to go and perform. You know, um, Hersey, I can't tell Hersey what to do. I can't tell Watson what to do. These guys are professionals, so I use their experience to help better my team. So I want Hussey talking about batting. I want Watson talking about all-round cricket and, and performing under pressure. You know, I want Miller to go out and express himself. This is not, no pressure. You go out, just be Miller. Whether you do well or some days it's not about winning. It's about what you do to, to help your team become successful. And if... If you if you focus on what you have to do, the result will, and you do it well, the result will take care of it, of itself. And they have days where the opposition they're just better than you. Mm. And I, as a leader, I try to incorporate, make everybody feel that yes, you are part of this. Whether you're on the bench or not, you are part of this. And but at the end of the day, I make the decisions on the field. But you feel like yes, I'm part of this, and I want to be part of this. Every, I know every player wants to be, they want to play for Zooks. And we've not won anything, but they, they see how we, yep. we, we, we move about, the, the culture around the team. And they come to me and they say, I want to be, I want to be part of this. That's the air conditioner, Daz. Just yes. stand by there. Hang on. 
she speaks in the air conditioning because she's not in a form. Yes. Now we're forty-two minutes in. Yes. Yes. And we haven't asked you about. <laughs> I, I'm only going to ask you about one World Cup, the yes. most recent. <laughs> so you're playing England. You need nineteen oh. off the last over. How you, you don't tell me, I'll tell you. Okay. Yes. So we play in England. T20 World T20 Cup. T20 World Cup finals. Eden Gardens. Everybody write us off. We need nineteen. And I'm sitting in just in the all of us sitting in the dugout, and we were watching before the 19th, the 20th overs ball. We were watching the last ball, Chris Jordan bowling to Marlon, and Chris is saying to me, "We need a boundary." Chris Gale. Chris Gale is saying, "We need a boundary. That ball has to go through a boundary." And he bowls a dot, and we were like 19. And I'm there probably. I'm nervous inside, but I could still a smile could still muster on my <laughs> could show on my face, and I'm saying, once that first ball goes for six pressure on the opposition because it now means we only need two hits mm. two hits to tie once that first ball goes for six 19 from six now becomes what 13 13 from five 13 from five that is gettable yeah and then we're sitting and see i could see russell in the corner by himself <laughs> on the sitting on a chair and he's nervous and everybody's like glued to the and i'm like we got this inside, but I cannot show it because I still, the nerves are overshadowing the confidence. <laughs> and boom, Carlos Braffitt clips one of his pads and it's coming to our direction, to our left. And we're watching it goes because it's not, it's just a little flick. We watch it goes and it goes for six. Yes! <laughs> that was the feeling I got. There's no way we'll, because I look at Ben Stoke and I know he's under pressure. Now, instead of three balls disappearing over the park, you only have two options out of five. Yeah. And when it comes to hitting sixes, I think West Indians are the best. No doubt. Doing it. And we're doing, and he hits one, he hits two. You see, when he hit the third one, Ramdin thought we had already won. He was running <laughs> off the field. Ramdin, come back. We ain't win yet. We need one more run. But everybody knew it was over. But to say, you need 19 and you hit four consecutive sixes. Carlos Braffitt, I think, he will always go down in history. And I think he set the bar so high now <laughs> for him to live up to that. Every Now, every time he goes on bad, people want him to do that. But he has to understand that this is a one-in-a-lifetime thing. I can picture, and I can still hear it in my head, Bish, Ian Bish, yes. in commentary, Carlos Braffitt! Remember the name! <laughs> Carlos Brathwaite. It's shit. Oh, man. Oh. I watched that over and over again. <laughs> I've watched it so many. And then you see the West Indians running <laughs> off in slow motion. And you're like, wow. How many times you watched it? I've watched it a million times. <laughs> no joke. I'm serious. I've watched it so many times. What a day. What a day. What a day it was. Oh, the Facebook lives, the, oh, it was just, it was just amazing. And Carlos Braffitt, you know, to, to do that on the biggest stage, that's where you want to, that's, that's where you want to perform. That, that's, a, that's, that's why we play the sport, are we? Yeah. You know, it's always wanting to win, wanting, but you want to be on the winning time side. You want to do well for your team when the pressure is on. That is an amazing feeling to see all your teammates running towards you because you've just, the cup is 
life or death mm. and you brought them back to life this is amazing man and it's a pity I heard I heard they might have a 2018 World Cup I wish I really wish it happens instead of 2020 too long to wait huh? too long yeah man, too long I really wish it happened but you know T20 Bravo said to me you know we have to understand the era we're in now and a lot of people might have what they say about, about Bravo and the senior guys but when we sit down and talk the cricket some interesting points come out and when he was captain and I was test and captain of test and T20 he said Sammy we need to do something we, we need to create our only legacy in West Indies cricket and our legacy now is in this format T20 you know so Clive and uh, Saviv, they dominated Test for 17 years. And they brought two World Cups. Right now, our little history, our own legacy is, this is our format. Just like they dominated the Test back in the day. We're dominating the T20 circuit. And we're creating our own little legacy. And Bravo said to me, we should enjoy that. Absolutely. We should, you know, to to win two World Cups in the, in the space of three is something. Something. All we we obviously watched it at home, and after the semi final and the final, um, DJ had his song out, "Champion." Yeah. Um, and you guys were dancing through the hotel room, yeah. and it went viral you couldn't watch it without just laughing your head off yeah. it was such a wonderful <laughs> yes, exuberant yes. celebration dance yes. you see it, you see timing is everything because bravo recorded that song after um they won the, the cpl last year and he released it a little bit in australia in the big bash but just the word not really the song because i always tell bravo you can't sing i always <laughs> tell him that but just just the champion yeah you hate it sometimes you breathe how, how and you does it speak, go how does it go you speak things into um reality and just hearing from day one champion champion everybody knows say girl is a champion girl is a champion 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 you know everybody knows sammy's a champion uh, Although Bravo didn't say Sam is a champion, <laughs> but it's okay. You are that. Yeah. I, I dip down in my head. <laughs> but it's just, it just, you know, you keep saying it even before the World Cup. And people probably think these guys are crazy singing champion, champion, and they've not won it. But it brought the team together with other issues. And um, I did haven't, like that Stanford thing, I just knew... We were gonna win. I've not seen a bunch of guys so so determined to win as well, you know. And performances came from different individuals at different times, you know. And it was just amazing. And I don't understand why you cannot keep that product and help. This this team is marketable, Howie. Use that team. If I was if I was in administration, I would use that team, market this team, try to get finance mm. to help aid our test and our our one day team you've got the biggest stars in t20 cricket yes, we you, you've got you you've got gail you've got russell and you've got bravo you, you got you've the four got biggest names and pollard and pollard and, Pollard, Pollard, and, Pollard, and, Pollard, yeah. and all these all these guys that's as big you know? as it gets you could you could use that as as a drive to get sponsorship whatever because we all 
it's not that you know, it's not rocket science no it's not it's not you put the T20 team you put the test team sponsors will be flying around here use that to to feed off the, the, the test cricketers but then who I am I'm, I finished school 15 years ago <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you, things have turned out all right. Hey, I've been, I've been, um, I've been just so hoping we could do this. And thanks for having a chat with me on the Howie Games, mate. It's it's, it's, it's a pleasure. Feel free to call me anytime, Howie. Uh, hey, what's uh, Damien? I'm still available, buddy. Mardo, yeah, yeah. Righty, I'm still available. That's it. Better Reeves need me, man. <laughs> Cheers, Righty, buddy. he's there to go. Yes, yes. Tar, yes. mate. Okay. I count myself very, very fortunate to have spent that hour with Darren Sammy. I really do. He is a generous, warm, smiley, happy, ripping fella. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks, as always, to my main man, producer extraordinaire, Michael James. Thanks to you all for listening. As always, spread the love about the Howie Games. Get the word out there so we can continue along our merry way. Until next Thursday, peace out. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try Listener